Some, some of us are suffering more. Some of us are suffering less. Some of us aren't suffering now, but we have in the past, and if we live long enough, we will again. And so we're talking about how we deal with this. Suffering is, is simply to undergo or to endure, and we, and we talk about that with physical and mental and emotional pain. Sometimes suffering is because of our own doing that we brought it on ourselves, and sometimes we didn't bring it on ourselves and it couldn't be avoided. And, and we've been talking about overcoming discouragement. Discouragement is to be deprived of courage or hope or confidence. And as we began talking about this last week in the two lessons we had last Sunday, that as Christians we are encouraged when we suffer, not discouraged. That our hope is increased as we suffer, as Ben already read for us this morning from Romans chapter 5, that when we suffer, we glory, we exult in tribulation because it produces perseverance, and perseverance produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. And so we are encouraged when we suffer rather than being discouraged. We talked about suffering being a part of God's plan as we sang today a night with Eben Pinion that Jesus Christ suffered. It was part of God's plan for him to suffer and endure the things that he had to endure and to be crucified upon the cross so that we could be saved. Our suffering is also part of God's plan. And we talked about some of the things that come about through suffering and what God does for us as we suffer. Suffering is part of God's plan. Suffering tests and refines our faith. And we rejoice and count it all joy when we suffering, suffer knowing the good that it produces. And suffering produces an opportunity to teach the gospel. And so Peter says we shouldn't be surprised by the fiery trials and the suffering that we must endure. Suffering oftentimes is not a choice, but how we deal with it, that is a choice. Whether we are encouraged or discouraged, that is a choice that we make. So the way we handle it is a choice. And we began <coughs> talking last Sunday night, the first of five suggestions on how to deal with that, and that is to rejoice in the Lord. That is a choice whether we rejoice in the Lord or not. And as, as Paul goes through this, uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, he says, do not put confidence in the flesh. And he uses his own life to talk about that. And he says in chapter 3, verse 17 of Philippians, to observe those who walk according to the pattern and to walk in such a way. He talks about chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and joy, rejoicing in the Lord. And that we should pray and that we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Verses 8 through 9, thinking on the right things. And verses 11 through 13, learning to be content in whatever state we find ourselves. Because we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And so in the lesson today I want to talk about four other suggestions. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Yes, we rejoice in the Lord, those things associated with the Lord, and we trust in God to deliver us. And again, this is a choice. In what do we put our faith? Do we have the strong faith in God that we should have? We make this choice. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 8, Paul says this of himself. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. Why? So that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves. Paul said, we experience these things so that we would not trust in ourselves, but rather, but in God who raises the dead. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but that we would trust in God, verse 10, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. And so we must trust in God to deliver us from trials so that we avoid this discouragement and we place our hope in him. Go with me again over to Philippians chapter 1. We spent a great deal of time in Philippians last Sunday night. And Philippians chapter 1 and beginning the latter part of verse 18. Philippians 1, verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Christ Jesus. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything. Notice what he says. Not in anything will he be put to shame, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And so Paul put his hope in God. That in all things he would be delivered. That in all things he would be exalted. Not put to shame in anything. And so with all boldness he knew he would be exalted. We must trust in God. And when we do, when we have this faith, we are not discouraged, but rather we are encouraged by these difficult things that we go through. Tom's going to lead us in 279 at the end of the lesson. He is able to deliver thee. And if we have this trust and this confidence in God, it does not matter what the suffering is. It does not matter what the trials would be. It does not matter what the tribulation is. We rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because we believe God can deliver us and that he will deliver us whether in death or in life. Or in life. Either way, we believe this. Remember the three guys who were commanded to fall down and worship an idol. They refused to do this, although they knew that it was going to be excruciatingly painful if they were thrown into, into that blazing furnace of fire. And they told the one who was persecuting them, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, God is able 
God can deliver us out of whatever suffering it is. God is able. There is nothing impossible with God. And God will deliver us, whether it be in life or death. And these told the king, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if we have this faith, God can do anything. God can deliver us if he wants to. One of my friends in Thomasville now, one of the elders, there was a business, a company from Tallahassee that was going to set up a nursery in Thomasville. And you know they had the big bucks, they had the big guns, they did television commercials and all of this. And he said this to me, you know if the Lord wills that I prosper, I'm going to prosper. But if the Lord doesn't will that I prosper, I'm not going to prosper. It's about God. God is able to deliver us. He can deliver us from anything. If he wills that we suffer, we're going to suffer. And if he wills that we not suffer, we're not going to suffer. God can deliver. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, a scripture you know so well. We talk about quite often about deliverance from temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Suffering can become a temptation. Job is an instance of that. Unfortunately, he succumbed to that, that temptation in time. But God always provides a way of escape. In verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. When we're suffering in trials and tribulations and difficulties of life, whether it be sickness or loss, loss of loved ones or, or persecution and trials at school or at work or losing your job, whatever it is, God is faithful. And we must trust in him to deliver. And in temptation, God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. That's what suffering is, to endure, to undergo. And so God is faithful. And he will make it so that we will be able to endure whatever suffering or trials or tribulation or temptation to always endure it, whether in life or death. And I know I use this illustration quite a bit, but I was thinking, what, what is a good illustration here? And again, Cassie Burnell, the girl who was shot at Columbine. Two years before she was shot because she confessed she believed in God, she was dabbling in black magic. And her parents found out about this and used a little bit of tough love and was able to get her out of that. And on April 20th, 1999, two classmates were shooting up the school and killing some of the students there. And in the library was her moment of truth. And one of the boys pointed a, girl, a gun at her and asked her, do you believe in God? And she took a breath and she strongly said yes. He asked why and before she could answer, she was shot in the head. There's always a way of escape. Even if it be enduring to the point of death, there is a way of escape and God will always give us the strength 
We'll talk about that in a moment. To endure, to undergo this suffering. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4. And we'll read that later in the lesson. But, but there the Apostle Paul in speaking of those and their suffering, even some with the chastisement of God, he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. You know, and that may be the extent to which we are called to suffer, even to the point of bloodshed. But you know, if we've not been called to, to suffer to that point yet, we shouldn't be feeling sorry, we shouldn't be down, we shouldn't be depressed, we shouldn't be discouraged, because we could be called to suffer even further than we are. Turn your Bibles with me over to Psalms. Psalm, Psalm 46, the 46th Psalm. Trust in God to deliver us. The 46th Psalm, verses 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength. I, I think it's Mike Matthews, which, uh, by the way, Mike, awesome prayer today, who says it's... It's not about us, it's about God. And Jake reiterated those thoughts when he extended the invitation Wednesday. And it's not about us. It's not about my personal ability. It's not about my personal physical and mental prowess. It's about God because God is our refuge. He is our hiding place. He is the one who protects us. He is our strength. It's not about what I can do. It's what God can do through us. A very pleasant help in trouble. I have a footnote that could be translated like this. Abundantly available for help. Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, God is our refuge. God is our strength. We will not fear. We will be strong. We will be encouraged. We will not be depressed. We will not be discouraged. We will rejoice in the Lord no matter what may beset us. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7, another passage we talk about a lot, but I thought would be very appropriate for here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves. You know, when it comes to time of suffering and trials and tribulation, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that is, to do things the way God wants them done. To accept whatever God would have done in these circumstances. To believe God for deliverance and to rejoice in the Lord. Therefore, humble, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. You see, my experience is with me... That sometimes I don't want to humble myself under the mighty hand of God for him to work out this situation the way he wants it to be worked out and to exalt me when he is ready. I want to be exalted when I am ready. And that never works out. 
And I hope I've learned my lesson for the last time. But to accept God's way and the way he wants to work out this situation and for me to humble myself under his mighty hand and be exalted in his due time. And so we stay in our priorities, Matthew 6, 33 and 34, to seek first God and his kingdom and his righteousness and not to worry about all this other stuff, the physical suffering we might have to endure, the emotional distresses, the difficulties in life. We don't worry about that. But we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and we let him deal with that. Casting our anxieties on him because he cares for you. Rejoice in the Lord and trust in God to deliver you. Well, in that, be strong. God gives us strength. Our new banner out front, Lana and Dawn helped me put it up yesterday. You know, there's a couple of things people... People want in the world, they want to know they're saved and they want to have the peace of God. Those are the two questions on the banner out there. And it is only for Christians to have this strength which God supplies. In Matthew chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had gone down to Jerusalem to uh, inquire whether or not the false teachers who were in Antioch saying, You've got to be circumcised and keep the law. And they claimed that this had came from those in Jerusalem. We see that from the context of the discussion they had and the letter they sent back. So Paul and Barnabas and other brethren went down to Jerusalem to see if this was so, and it wasn't so. So they send up a letter, and beginning in verse 30, so when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Now, remember, they had been directed, inspired by the Holy Spirit during this whole process. But jump down to verse, uh, uh, oh, oh, verse, verse 32. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. Well, what was the lengthy message? It was a message from the Word of God. Now, verse 35. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. So where does this strength come from? Well, it comes from the word of God. Let's investigate this a little further. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And, 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 and the important part for you and I is to be busy to be in the word of God. Uh, to be studying, to be learning, to be strengthened by it. Uh, you, you, and I'm just going to tell you flat out, coming to church and going to Bible class, what little bit we do here is not going to give you the strength that you need to endure, to endure the time of trials and tribulations and suffering. And I'll give you some other little bit of advice. You don't need to wait till you get into the hard times to then try to be digging in the Word of God and then getting that strength. You need to be doing it now while times are good. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. There is no shortage of power with God. God has a superabundance of power to do all that he would ever want to do and then not even beginning to tap into all that he has. And that power is available to you and I, his children, disciples of Christ, Christians. That abundance of power is made available to us. Now it's made available, but we have to do our part to receive it. So he says, verse 19, he wants us to know this. The surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in, the, in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Even that power that he wrought to raise Christ from the dead, that power is available to those who are Christians. Go down to verse 22. Of this Jesus, who has all authority and power and dominion, verse 21. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So as members of this body, of this church, we have this availability of strength. Now, I, I, I have to remind us of one thing you're so familiar with, chapter 6, verse 10. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the strength of his might. I'll tell you something. The translators have a difficulty translating the, 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 the superabundance of God's power. And so they've chosen this word to use might or almighty to communicate the superabundance of God's power, he can do anything and everything. And Paul says here, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And he continues on, put on the full armor of God. So that you'll able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And then he continues on telling us what this is. The breastplate of righteousness. The gospel of peace. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And prayer. Verse 18. God gives us this strength as his children. But we have responsibility. We have that which we must do also. And I'll tell you what, I'll be just, I'll just be really blunt, as plain as I could be. If we are not in the Word of God, if we are not studying, reading, researching, searching the Scriptures, if all we're doing is coming here and listening to a sermon and listening to some Bible classes and, and hardly prepared for that, you're not going to be strong in the strength of Almighty God. So it's not going to happen. It takes more than that. Yeah. 
a personal relationship, quote unquote, you know. And I hate using that phrase. But that's what it takes. You and the Word of God, personally, individually. And God will give you this strength through His Word. The power of God performs its work in those who believe. But I'll tell you something, you've got to know the Word first. And when we're suffering, we must pray. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. God will strengthen us. And the Apostle Paul is talking about this strength in this chapter. And, and, and I've got to mention here in verses 26 and 27 the blessing that we have, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Now, not in the same way that Jesus intercedes. That's a whole different thing. But the Holy Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. And let's read the passage, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For when we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we have trouble praying because of the suffering and the grief is so bad, the Holy Spirit intercedes, communicating our thoughts and our heart to, to God. I'll tell you an illustration here. And this is uh, my son-in-law. He's allergic to about just about any kind of pain medication. And so when he has surgery, he can, there's really about nothing they can give him. And so he's in excruciating pain. Uh, I'll say one of my sons-in-law, it's not Alan, it's the other. <laughs> I'm glad you can take pain medication. And so he had surgery on his elbows. And uh, the following night he was laying in the hospital bed. My daughter Elizabeth was there. And, and looking at him, and it was just terrible. And he said, don't even watch. And the pain was so bad, he couldn't even pray. Couldn't even think. Those are some of the times when according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit searches our hearts and communicates those things on our behalf because we just can't do it at that time. But I want you to notice with the context here also, verse 39, excuse me, verse 31. And speaking of this strength which we have, as God works all things together for good, verse 28, verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? It is, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us, how will he not also give us freely all things? So remember the context here, the strength of God and enduring suffering and that God who did not even spare his own son will give us all things. Verse 37. But in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You know, we're talking about being strengthened by God, trusting in God for deliverance, rejoicing in the Lord. As Christians, we overwhelmingly conquer every time. Your translation may say we're more than conquerors. Every time. And the only time we may not do that is when we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. 
When we do not do what God is wanting us to do, when we're not into the Word of God and being strengthened by it, but as long as we are doing what the Lord would have us to do, we overwhelmingly conquer each and every time. Verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Strengthened by God. Strengthened by God. And so we have this faith and we have this belief. And I tell you what, it's not easy. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about things that are difficult. For those who are young, I'll tell you this, it, it does get easier. After you've been through difficulties a few things, a few times, and you've been through such, such hard times, and you see what God does for you, it makes it easier because next time it happens, God did it for me last time. I believe God is going to do it for me again. Strengthened by God to overcome. So we're not discouraged. We rejoice in the Lord, confident in God. My time is running out very quickly. I want to mention two other things just very briefly. We have each other, and that is such a blessing because we need help from each other. And we are so blessed in this congregation to have two elders who are so faithful and are who, who are so diligent who are so well-equipped spiritually. And they are, they are here for us. In James chapter 5 and verse 13, if anyone among you, uh, if anyone among, is anyone among, among you suffering, then he must pray. And then down to verse 14. If anyone among, is anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Brethren, it's our responsibility to call on the elders. They're not mind readers. They can't look at us and see necessarily that something is wrong. We have to call on them. We have to use them. That's why God has given them to the church. As they shepherd, as they lead, as they help with all of their wisdom. And so we need to call. Sometimes maybe because of pride we don't call. And we ought to. At our house we have a, we have a bell. When you're sick, we have a bell that we'll give you. And you can ring this bell when you need us. You may not be able to talk him, whatever it may be. You can ring this bell, and we'll come running to help you. I remember when Dawn had her wisdom teeth out, and we put her on a blow-up mattress right outside of our room. And she was ringing the bell, ringing the bell, and we didn't hear the bell ringing. So Alan, fortunately, heard the bell ringing. He comes running, and he gets me out of bed. and says, Dawn, Dawn needs something. But she had to call. She had to call. Or we wouldn't have known. We have a responsibility to brethren. If we're suffering, if we need help, we have to call. Uh, go with me also to 1 Corinthians chapter 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26. We also have each other. And 
You know, it's a blessing to have each other. We're here to help each other. But again, we have to communicate. Well, when things are hard, when things are rough, when we're struggling, we have to communicate because we're not mind readers. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26, if any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And so when one member is suffering, we all suffer, we all hurt, we all feel pain. Jerry Flatt used the illustration in the young adults class. Like if, he, if his right hand is hurt, his left hand will come over and try to make it feel better. It's just, just the way the body works, you know. And so if one of the members here in the body of Christ is suffering, the others want to help it feel better, to, to help it. But again, we have to communicate. When we're suffering, we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to tell others who can help. We have to tell the brethren. We have to tell the elders. We have to communicate our needs so that we can help one another and pray for one another. We know what to do for one another. My time is up, but I want to mention this one very quickly. If you'll turn your Bibles with me over to Hebrews 12, and I'll leave you with this scripture this morning. We... We have to make sure we don't grow weary in doing good. You know, things can get really tough. And, and, and what happens? We, we feel sorry for ourselves and we have self-pity. And, and we're focused on ourselves and not focused on others. And so we become down and we become depressed and, and all sorts of things like this. But really we should be doing the opposite. A, a friend of ours, Beth and I, stopped and saw him on the way home coming from Thomasville last week. And uh, uh, his, his son passed away some years ago. And immediately he wanted to withdraw, not go to church, not be around people and all this. One of the elders came over and said, Gerald, this is the time you need to go to church. You need to be out. You need to be with other people. But, but we just sort of withdraw. We, we don't need to do that. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 3 and 4. For consider him who has endured such hostilities by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. Don't lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Doing good, stay active, be thinking of others. Don't be drowning in your own sorrows. Don't be depressed over what's happening. Be more concerned for others than of yourself. Put others before yourself. Don't grow weary in doing good. Be active in helping others. And your pain will seem less. Your suffering will diminish. And I don't know about you, but for me, I can always find someone else who's suffering more than I am. And when I think about them and I pray for them and try to help them, my suffering diminishes because I realize it's usually not as bad as I make it all out to be. So there are things we can do. Suffering oftentimes is not a choice, but our attitude toward it is a choice. And we can have the right attitude by rejoicing in the Lord and trusting in God who's going to deliver us and being strong in the strength of God. Calling on our brethren for help and being active and doing good. Just not lock ourselves up somewhere all alone with self-pity, but be active and out 
and helping others. It's so great to be a Christian because we know that whatever situation comes about, that God will give us strength to be victorious. There is nothing too large, nothing that's so insurmountable that we can't face it with a positive attitude to the glory of God and to be happy and to have peace and to rejoice and to have such full lives. I'll tell you who I feel sorry for. For those who aren't Christians because they have no way of obtaining this which we have without first becoming a Christian rendering obedience to God. But unless they do that, they have no hope. They're hopeless. And I feel so sorry for them. And I feel so sorry for our brethren who've turned away from the faith. Because they've turned away from a God to deliver them to live such a miserable, powerless lives. But I'm so thankful for our God and for the abilities we have. And I look out in the audience and I see some who, su who are suffering so much now. And I feel good because God gives you the strength to overcome all to his glory. That's the lesson. Let's turn in our song books, number 279. He is able to deliver thee. Let us go from this place today renewed in our strength and our faith and our hope and our courage as we spent these three lessons talking about this. And let us believe our God not only that he's able but that he will and that he is. If you're not a Christian today, won't you become one? What must you do? Simply believing in God, believing that Jesus is the Christ. Repenting of your sins, turning away from those things that are wrong to do the right things. Confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then being baptized for the remission of your sins. You too shall be empowered by God this very day as you begin your life as his child. If we can help you at all this morning, why don't you come to the front now as we stand and sing.